Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Good evening, you doing well? Hey, thanks so much for being here. If you're new, if you're just kind of coming for college or whatever it may be, you brought a friend tonight. Uh, Welcome to Coastline Church, Coastline Nights. My name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're really grateful you're here tonight. Uh, We are in week number two of a series called Family Vibes, and really this is all about you getting to know us, us getting to know you. It's like that idea of like, maybe you have some questions about Coastline. This is a series about our culture, our values, what makes us, us. What makes our church unique and dynamic and different? Um, what we're here for as a church, what we're all about. Um, this series is about all of those pieces, values, heart, our, what we're excited about, what's going forward. And last week we talked a lot about small groups. You, you remember the living room scene over here. And we talked about how pews are good, service is good, but getting in circles is also very good. That being with people who you can be vulnerable with, where you can intimately talk about the things that you're hoping for, dreaming for, struggling in, get prayer, etc. That's a huge value of ours. But tonight I want to talk about probably the most important pillar, the most important value that we have as a church. The, most, the thing that I would say we believe matters most or our hardest that everyone would know God. That our, our heart would be that every single person here knows God. If you were going on our website right now, you'd see four pillars. It'd be know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And tonight, I mostly want to talk about knowing God. I believe, we believe as a church, that knowing God is your greatest need and your greatest treasure. In that video of Alpha, that was, I, I think his name is Sam, Sean Harrison, what was his name? He's the CEO of Charity Water. And what's interesting about his background before he went into kind of like the not-for-profit sector is he was a club promoter. And that's kind of his journey to Jesus. And so he was kind of the biggest club promoter in some of the biggest clubs in New York City. And he just felt like there was this need in his heart that wasn't being met. And he tells his journey in that story. And again, he, there was something deep. There was this desire for him to know something greater than just what this world had to offer. And this is a common theme in some of my preaching. This is a common theme in many people's preaching. You know why? Because it's a common theme for all of us. There's this like innate desire in us to try and know and discover something that is bigger than ourselves. C.S. Lewis writes about this. Many philosophers have mentioned this. And it is something our soul needs. It's the thing that we desire to have, and yet we get stuck in the wrestle of life. We're stuck in the brokenness of culture, of sin. It's that classic concept, you guys, of you don't know what you don't know, but when you finally discover it, everything changes. I remember for myself, the very first time I really ever experienced like a really good cup of coffee. You know? And those who drink coffee are the ones that laughed because you know. My first cup of coffee was a triple, triple small from Tim Hortons. That was my first experience with Java, you know? I had just got, we played hockey all night. I was with some friends and then we went out to like Boston Pizza or something later and then Boston Pizza was cool back then. Leave me alone, okay? And, and then, and then we, he woke up. We had to get up really early. We had to travel up island. He gave me a 
everything bagel with cream cheese. And I, I remember being like 17 at the time, being like, I'm not gonna eat this. This is, I don't like this at all. Really picky eater. And then he gave me a small triple triple. Like just consider like, you remember like Tim Hortons small, three sugars, three heavy creams. Let's, like, let's, that's not coffee at that point, right? Like at that point, that's cream and sugar with some coffee. Like it's a bit, the ratios are off there. But it's funny, as I remember my coffee journey, this is a big deal. And then going down to like double doubles, you know that? Because it's just too sweet at some point. And then you get down to single singles. And then you're down to like one cream, Tim Hortons. And then you're down, you, you think you're like, I remember, I think what happened next is like, I started drinking Keurigs and thinking that was really cool. Remember the Keurig, the first Keurig, massive machines. Remember how big the first ones were? Anyway, just me. And that, that was my coffee journey. And then I remember I was working this job downtown. I came with a friend and he's like, we ought to get you some good coffee. Like I was just drinking like the massive Keurig coffee every day. And, and he took me to still my favorite shop, the disco on Discovery Street. Can I get an amen for Discovery Coffee? Somebody in the house. If you've never been, then you don't even know. You don't. And we came, and I, and I remember going up and being like, can I have some coffee? And I'll have a, you know, a single single. And he was like, no, 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 no. He's not, that's not what he's going to have. He's going to have a black coffee. He's going to experience coffee for the real time. And I was like, fine, I'll have that. He's like, well, do you want drip or espresso? And I was like, I want lots of drips. I don't know what you're, give me many drips of coffee. And didn't, rec- didn't really know what the person meant. And no, no, do you want like, and anyways. And the guy just ended up ordering from my friend. He said, he'll have an eight ounce Americana. And I remember coming cute little dish. It looks so nice. <laughs> I sipped it. And I liked it. <laughs> and I sipped it again. And I liked it again. And I honestly, like, I, I actually remember what place I was sitting in. And if anyone knows me, Discovery on Discovery Street is my favorite coffee shop still to this day because it's where I really, truly first experienced good coffee. Like, what I thought I knew was coffee, this isn't coffee. If you wake up every morning and you go to Tim Hortons and you get a double-double, we'll pray for you after the service. You can be free of that. You truly can be free of that, okay? This is serious, can we have a serious conversation? You're better than that, no, I'm just kidding. Well, no, you are, I want you to know that you are. If you're a Starbucks PSL person, again, there's deliverance ministry here and we want that for you. I'm obviously making a joke about something we can all relate to. But there is such a unique difference, and it's true. Like, I don't put cream and sugar in my coffee anymore. It's not, like, things have changed. I've seen a better taste. I've experienced something different. And we all love coffee. Most of us love coffee. You know what it's like to have bad coffee versus good coffee. What I thought I knew was good is no longer good. Why? Because I experienced something, in my opinion, much greater. My knowledge was limited on the subject. My, My experience was limited, it was stymied, if you will, it was trapped in my own thinking and only what I had discovered, but then when I discovered something new and different, everything for me changed. And this, the, the, the analogy keeps going, you guys, that what we know to be true in life can feel so true because we're in it, but then we can have this really impactful, meaningful experience with Christ, and it's wild to see how everything changes, and it's the heart of this house that every person would know God. I really mean this. I want to be really clear. I'm not talking about knowing spirituality. I'm not talking that you would know a higher power exists and that's where you leave your faith journey, your faith conversation. 
I'm not talking about you knowing that there's some sort of inner essence that speaks and wants to move me. There's like this, this soul thing, it's real. It's not just physical body, emotional. Like there is something deeper. That's not what I'm talking about. It is the heart of Coastline Church that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, an intimate encounter and connection between you and the Father because what Jesus did on the cross. That is what I'm talking about tonight. That's what I want us to go after. That's what we're, we're all after. And so Paul writing to the church in Colossians, which we talked about last week, he, we talked about how he loved this church because they had a faith in Jesus and a love for people. But he kind of breaks down some more stuff as we continue reading where he, he talks about this beautiful faith that they have and how he wants them to know God, to keep chasing after God. It says this in verse nine, we kind of left off in, I think it was verse six last week, we're saving seven and eight for a sermon next week. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, and again, it's kind of him and Timothy writing, he says, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually asked God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Knowledge of whose will? His will. Your will? My will? The pastor's will? Thank you, Robbie. Robbie was like, no, Lucas, not yours. Like, it was good, thanks. I appreciated the, it's great. Reciprocity here, I like that. It's, it's helpful. Learn from Robbie. Do as he does, okay? Not the culture's will, not the king's will, not the pastor's will, God's will. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. This is hard for the church. Hear this. Bearing every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, the knowing of who he is, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so you may have a great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Okay, there's a lot of verses there, a lot of words there. Let's break that down for a moment. He, first thought for you tonight, knowing God grows you. That's what that verse was talking about. That you would grow, that you would know, growing in the knowledge of God, bearing every good work, being strengthened, having endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks. That knowing God actually grows you in a way you never thought possible. We think we can grow ourselves in every way that we need. We think that we are all that we need. We feel like our knowledge of ourselves and of the world is all that we need, but knowing God grows you. How? He actually lays it out. It strengthens you in his power. It gives you a strength and a power that doesn't exist on your own strength and on your own power. That's the whole thing. Is this is transcendent above yourself, Coastline Knights. It gives you a strength and power to what? To endure and have patience so that you may have joy in all things as you look towards your inheritance in heaven. What he's saying here is this. Knowing God grows you so that you can understand that life here and now is not the end. That when you are faced with like a small, really frustrating circumstance and it shatters your whole day, it shatters your whole week, that is not how life is meant to be lived. That happened to me recently where something really small and really insignificant just got me so frustrated and depleted emotionally and angry. And for like two days, two and a half days, I was a grump. My, I was so grumpy, my kids even knew I was a grump. They're like, Dad, you're a grump. You need to have a nap. Like they were, they were chirping me. And I was like, yeah, why? 
And this happens, right? Like life is challenging enough. Life is broken. Life is hard. And so why would we, want, why would we not want to know God to allow him to grow us to experience life and life to the full? Life is challenging. We often say don't do life alone, right? Like it's on our small groups. And it's true. It's not, I'm not coming at our own thing that we're saying. But truly, I think we first mean the Holy Spirit. Like, don't do life alone. Know him so that you would never be alone, so you could grow beside him. Trina's grandma always did this for a long time. Um, she, her husband passed away, like, early on, and, and, and so for, for her, she, I think Trina would always be worried that she was too alone and that she always felt alone, and her granny, her sweet granny, would always say to her, I'm never alone. Christ is now my husband. Like, she always had these funny ways of talking about it, and the way she'd say it was so endearing, and so lovely. And she really was saying like, sweetie, I'm not alone. I have Christ beside me all night. I'm never alone. Because she knew God. And he grows you into the person you're called to be. Because knowing him is the best way to face this world. If we keep reading, it says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. This is again, Paul writing to this church. Remember this, knowing God grows you. And remember that he has rescued all of us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Knowing God grows you and knowing God convicts you. Conviction is this interesting word. It's this interesting word. It's this thing we need, but we never truly like. We don't like it when it happens. We don't really like want it. It sounds heavy, conviction. It sounds challenging. It sounds like, ugh, it's hard. John 16, I think, I think it's verse 8, says the Holy Spirit has come to convict the world and the sin. And again, it sounds really like theological or heavy. And the word convict is, is, a, is a translation of this Greek word, echo, and it really means to convince someone of the truth. Hear that for a moment. I think, that's, I think that'll encourage you tonight, to convince someone of the truth, to reprove, to accuse, to refute. It's like, it's like this word that you have in courts, court of law. It's like a cross-examination of what has just taken place. And the Holy Spirit acts kind of as like this prosecuting attorney, if you will, who, who exposes, who convinces us, you and me, of when we've messed up, that this is not the way God has intended things to go. That there is a disruption going on in here. That the, the path that he would want you to walk, that the hope he has in your life, that the peace he wants to rule your heart has now been interrupted by chaos or hardship or challenge. And you felt it, I'm sure, in this room. Where you say something or do something or, or think of something and you just, it just doesn't sit well in your spirit. And that's that gentle conviction that's trying to cross-examine the thing that has just happened and shift you to right thinking, to true thinking, to the path that God has for you. Don't run from that. I think for many of us, we run from the conviction. We run from it because it causes us to look at ourselves in a way that feels a little bit uneasy, a little bit challenging, and so for many of us, we feel that, we sense that. And what happens is we, we instantly feel like we're bad and we've done something wrong, we've made this mistake. And then conviction from the Lord quickly shifts to this condemnation of self. And that is not from God. 
Jesus is trying to convict the heart so that you would push and say, yeah, yeah, you're right, Lord. Trying, and then, he, then you would actually fix that thing. You would move with God. You would be challenged by the Holy Spirit to, to apologize to him, to someone, to, whatever, to yourself, whatever it is, rather than run to a corner and hide. Where we, you guys know my son, Bo, and many of you have met him, and he's, he's the best. He's so fun. He's so funny. He's such a, he's a class clown already. Like, he's just doing the, Listen, he's been in kindergarten for four days and we've received two emails from the principal. You know, like it's been, it's been a lot, okay? But I kind of love that. Like we always kind of prayed for that kid that, you know, like, hey, throw this penny in the pond and he's like swimming in the pond, you know, so that sort of guy. He's that guy and that's okay. Like Bo just needs this thing and he's gonna be just fine. I know that. I know that. He'll be just fine. And Bo right now is in this challenging stage that any time, no matter how we discipline, no matter how loving it is, and, and truthfully, we've had to shift the way we talk to Bo. I could, I could get down on one knee, look him in the eye, hold him, pat his, pat it, like hold him really close and be like, Bo, Daddy loves you, but I don't want you to do that because you're hurting your little brother when you punch him in the face. <laughs> He's only 18 months. He doesn't understand, and that's why he punched you back in the face. And I don't want you guys to fight and punch each other in the face. And I'm like so calm. And then he'll just rip away from me. And he'll run to this corner and he'll scream like I'm a bad boy. I'm like, buddy, I don't know. No, Bowman. No. You've made a mistake. And I want to show you how we, how we redeem that. How we get past that. How we grow in that. You're not... A bad boy. You've made a mistake. You're not, you're not a mistake. Like, it's different. And I'm trying to help him see it. And he's five. But I look at myself and I think of us tonight, church, and are we so different sometimes? Are we be like, yes, Lord, I, I feel that's what I got. Or are we quick to run to the corner to shut the door and say, Lord, don't say it. I know it was wrong. I know. I already know. I, I feel horrible. And then we compile this condemnation on ourselves. And we get trapped in shame and bad guilt and heaviness. And we're wondering why we can't feel like we can't pick ourselves up because shame will do that to you. And so I encourage you tonight, don't run from conviction. It's the gentle nudging of the Holy Spirit helping you to see the redemption that can take place in your life in whatever you're walking through. It's not bad. It may not feel awesome all the time. That's okay. I've done in my own life, I've said something. I'm always looking for a joke, a stupid joke. And I've said things where I've walked away and literally felt the conviction I've had to turn around, even in a meeting, and say, I'm really sorry about that. That was actually inappropriate. That's not how I actually feel. I'm sorry. And man, when you sense that and, and begin to do that in your life, you would be shocked at how quickly you are to sense, like, that's good conviction. That's teaching from the Lord. I need to hear that. And knowing God is a good thing because it helps you Feel the conviction in a positive way. If we keep reading, it says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Again, there's a lot of language in Colossians, and it is challenging, but he's writing to a church he loves who understands these things. He says, it says, the firstborn over all creation. Verse 16, for in him all things were created, things on heaven, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him holds all things together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. There's a lot we could say through this, but the one thought I had for you tonight was that knowing God is the only true way to know yourself. 
Now, I don't want to take from the scripture. That's not completely what the scripture is saying. The scripture is very much elevating Christ as supreme authority, that he is above all. That's why we say Christ above all, Christ over all. That's why we praise him and not our own name. That's why we make him famous and no one else. That's why our worship goes up to Christ, that he would be worshiped. And we've talked a lot about that. We elevate Jesus. But there is something in this scripture I find interesting. In a culture that wants so badly to know themselves, so badly to understand our truest, most inner self. I would argue that you can't truly know yourself without knowing the one who's created you. Which whether you believe in Christ or not, or God or not, is an interesting thought. If, if God is real, and he did create us, then we can't truly know us without knowing him. Logically, we can make that, make that statement. Logically, we could say, if God is real, whether you're hypothetically agreeing with me or passionately agreeing with me, if he's real and he created us, then we can't fully know who we are until we fully know who he is. And so I think there might be some people in here who feel lost about themselves, who don't fully understand what Paul's saying here when he says things like, all things were created through him. All things were created for him and by him. In fact, he holds all things things together, verse 17 says. It's a big deal. And so knowing God is actually a greatest step in knowing who you are. If you want to know more about you, know God. Even when you want to get selfish, God makes it more about him. And that's a good thing because knowing him is what actually allows you to know more about who you are. It makes sense logically. It makes sense. Except we don't give him that. Like we're so proud and we have so much ego sometimes to be like, He's not even that big, it's just, he's not that big of a deal. He was a prophet, or he was a teacher. Like, Jesus' thoughts on this are interesting, but I don't agree with this thing. I like what he says about loving your neighbor, but, you know, giving all to this, I don't know about that. And so we don't always give Jesus his due and what he is. He is, here, in this moment, Paul is declaring the supremacy of Christ. You have to understand, in the church in Colossae here, there was a lot of early Gnosticism taking place. And in that, this is a big deal, they kind of didn't value Jesus the way we as Christians value Jesus, that he is Christ Almighty, died on the cross for you and for me, but rose again, seated at the right hand of God. Like, this is a big deal. And for them at this time, they were kind of fighting this early Gnosticism, which was kind of like a devaluing of Jesus, that he was just kind of an angel, one of the angels, something like that. Like, there's a lot of early Gnosticism where he would kind of like, he was thought of it well, but, you know, there's lots of other things also, and it's kind of, you can read more about it, it's, they were devaluing Christ, you guys, in a big way, and we do the same, we do the same, but it's interesting, because Jesus, I love this, Jesus does not give you that, Jesus does not say about himself that he's just a thoughtful teacher, that he's just a moral guide, he doesn't give you that. You guys know I love to pull out quotes about people who talk about Jesus. This one's from, from Bono. He said this. This is a long interview he had, U2 singer. He said, Jesus isn't letting you off the hook. The scriptures don't let you off the hook so easily. When people say, you know, Jesus is a good teacher. He's a prophet. Just a really nice guy. A guy I could have a beer with. That is, that is who Jesus is. But that is not how Jesus thought of himself. So you're left with a challenge, he writes, which is either that Jesus was who he said he was, or he was a complete, utter nutcase. You have to make a choice on that. For me, I believe that Jesus was, you know, the Son of God. 
It's the same argument that C.S. Lewis makes about he's either a liar, he's either a lunatic, or he's Lord. I really believe that this is a fantastic litmus test for every single one of us to take from here. We have to make, like he said, a choice on that. He's either who he said he was and he declared to be the son of God or is he liar, he's lunatic? We have to go through that process. He doesn't give you that. And he has been, he's been there from the start. He has created you to do good things. And he wants a great life for you and he wants you to know more about you. He wants you to discover more about who you are through him. He wants all that for you, but it can't happen if you don't, if you don't bring him to the rightful place that he is, and that is Lord over your life. So if you want to know yourself, you have to know God, and you have to know who he is. And that's Christ Almighty. My final thought for you before we show a video of tonight, it says this, a lot of verses again coming your way, but we're getting through it all. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. This is still Paul writing. And through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace, this is so good, you guys, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present, to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Paul discovered who God was and it changed the way he lived his life. It transformed how he thought. And knowing God transforms you. Final thought for you tonight. Knowing God transforms you. Knowing God grows you, it convicts you. You can't really know you without knowing God and knowing God transforms you. The verses I just read to you said that all things were reconciled to himself. He made peace by his blood. We are now without blemish because what he did. You know, I have so much to preach on here. There's so much to, to walk through. At the end of the day, Paul's transformation story, we just walked through Acts and you guys have heard it a lot is a radical one. I feel like my story is less radical, but I still feel that same transformation that took place in my life. Many of you have a story like this, and maybe some of you don't. Maybe you're still like, I'm not sure how I feel about all this. And that's okay. We're really happy you're here. But there's another story in our community that I wanted to share with you. And I want you to know this. We're gonna show a video. It's about four minutes long, so it's, 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 it's a good video here. So I want you to sit back and enjoy it. It may come off, I don't say heavy, but this is hard for you to talk about. You're about to hear someone's testimony. You're about to hear someone talk about where they once were to where they are now, to what they once lived in and walked through to where they are living in now and what they're walking towards. Because every testimony is different. Every testimony has a backstory and hardship and everything in between. And this story is no different. And so you're going to hear a guy who does his very best to talk about and tell you his story. And I want you to sit and really watch it and really see what he's talking about. Because he was, in his eyes, far gone. And yet Jesus showed up in a single moment. This is Ian. He's a part of your community. And this is his testimony. 
Before I knew Jesus, I felt like I was constantly searching, searching to be accepted, to fit in, to feel loved, to have peace and fulfillment. When I was little, I'd heard about Jesus, and if you would have asked me, I maybe would have said that I was a Christian or that I was like a good person, but I never really had a relationship or followed him. By the time I got to high school, I basically walked away from my faith altogether. Uh, I was addicted to pornography and spent all my time, you know, going after cars and uh, meaningless relationships. After high school, I started my career and I bought a house, I bought my dream car and I was uh, in a relationship. I felt like I had uh, such a good start to life and everything kind of going for me. I started using drugs occasionally and that then turned into a daily thing. At the same time, I was involved in new age spirituality and I was using the two to kind of search for meaning. I also didn't realize at the time, but I was looking into both of those things to really try to fill me in this emptiness that I had inside. There was one time in particular where I had a near-death experience and that's kind of where I was really confronted with the reality of my addiction and my depression and how neither of these things were working. Soon after, the relationship that I'd been in had ended and I remember just being confronted with my loneliness. Friendships that I had had come to an end and I just remember feeling so alone. I started going further and further into using drugs that I had told myself I'd never use and my depression and anxiety and self-hatred hung over me like a fog every day. I remember waking up and just thinking about why it would be better if I wasn't alive, why my family would be better off, why, you know, even coworkers or people I ran into would be better off if I just wasn't around. And this continued on and just got further and further and I remember just feeling overwhelmed and exhausted with life. Even thinking forward into the future about if I, you know, had a family, whatever it was, it didn't matter. It wasn't enough. And I remember just thinking, I would be there feeling the same way with these same addictions and I didn't see any way out. One night I had enough. I was just at the end of myself, exhausted, just done. I tried to overdose and end my life. And as I was at home alone in my house, dying and life slipping away, I cried out and said, Jesus, if you're real and if you save me, I'll give up all of this and give my life to you. Immediately, I was awake and sober. I felt the spirit fall on me and this love that I'd never experienced in my life. I was just so like shocked and surprised. And uh, I grabbed my Bible and started reading it and started praying and just giving thanks that I was alive. The following morning, I grabbed all my drugs and everything and threw them out and just worshiped on my way into work. I remember just weeping, giving thanks to God for being alive. I spent the following four months just sorting through what had happened and what this meant. Uh, I was reading the word, I got baptized and felt like I was actually growing near to Jesus. From that night, everything changed. That 
God-shaped hole that I was trying to fill so many different ways for so many different years was finally full. Even though I still had times where I experienced depression and anxiousness and worry and all these things, the difference was Him. Having Jesus in my life and having a relationship with Him, having somebody to lean on, God's love is greater. It's greater than my weakness. It's greater than the whispers of anxiety and depression. It's greater than the fears of the future. It's greater than the ups and downs of life and the unpredictability that we all face. In Jesus and in his ways and in his word, we find true life, life that is truly fulfilling. As we serve one another and as I serve you know, people in our community and as I follow his call, he's never let me down. He's never forsaken me. He's always been greater. I'm so thankful that my life didn't end that night. And I'm thankful that even though I felt like I was too far gone, Jesus didn't. Now I get to just share the hope that I found in him and share about the transformation that he's done in my life. I'm so thankful that I met Jesus. Yeah, come on, come on. He's not here, but it's not about him. It's about the Lord. Ian's story is intense, and it's real, and it's a lot. And for many of us, we've never experienced some of the things he's mentioning. And for some of us, we can quite honestly totally relate. And I, uh, I think about his story, and he said, you know, all these things. And I'm thinking, man, I've made mistakes like that. I've, I've done things I'm not proud of. We've, this whole in the heart thing we've talked about tonight, even Ian mentioned. And if you've met Ian, you know, like, he, he's so full of life. You can't help but see that smile on his face. Like he is quite literally more excited to pray with you than do anything else here at nights. He's like, every night, put me on nights. Only reason he's here is because they missed their flight. Otherwise, he'd be here because he'd be so excited to talk to you about his story and everything that he's gone through. Like this, this is transformation power. This is resurrection life. This is the joy that only comes from the Lord. From knowing him. And what I think is so powerful is, is not that how God met him in the mess or that he like happened to show up in the middle of what he describes as him trying to overdose. It's that in the middle of the overdose, he reached out. He said, if Jesus, if you were real, I'll give away all the stuff and surrender my life to you. He chose. He spoke out. He reached out. He said, Lord, I don't actually know what I want. Everything feels empty, but if you are real, I'll give you my entire life. I'll surrender it all. Blows me away that he did that, that he called out to God. He laid everything down. He surrendered his life and saying, I just want to know you. Give me you. I'll throw it all away. I just want you, Jesus. And so you have a choice on that. Like Bono said, like Ian's story and many of our stories as well to just say Jesus I choose you I'm tired of running and feeling empty I want to draw close to you pull me closer Lord I just want to know you so that would be my heart for you tonight I could preach all night and keep saying it but eventually you got to make a choice and maybe you're ready tonight to do that maybe you've already made that choice but you felt distant I want to encourage you to step closer to Jesus tonight 
Would you stand to your feet all across this room? The team's gonna sing a song as we respond tonight. We're not just reflecting, singing a song and leaving. There's a time to respond tonight, Tom, a time to really hear what he is saying to you and to embrace what God has for you. So would you do me a favor and close your eyes as I pray with you? you I'll often say this. Would you just like maybe take a step away from the person you come with tonight or just own in on the moment for you? And if the lights would just come down a bit so everyone can feel just like they have a comfortable place for themselves. No one's left. I'm not, we're not shining a light on anyone else. I'm not asking for hands raised right now. I'm asking for you to make a choice, for you to make a decision, for you to say enough is enough. I can keep running my life the same way and finding the same conclusion, or I can actually embrace knowing God, embrace knowing a God who loves me, who's created me, who's for me, who understands me. I can say no to my sin, I can repent from my past, and I can run to Jesus. And so make that decision tonight. Decide tonight, the team's gonna begin to sing, and this song is meant to encourage your heart. It's to help your heart stay steadfast on the thoughts and the topic of tonight. Make a de decision, a declaration, a choice. Challenge yourself. Say, God, pull me in. I want more of you. Maybe tonight it's gonna be for you is just lifting your hands and surrender. And saying, Jesus, I worship you and I choose you. Maybe it's just opening your, your palms like this as a sign of like, I'm open to you, Lord. Maybe it's a prayer like Ian's. It says, Lord, if you're real, I don't wanna live in darkness anymore and in destruction and in chaos. I wanna live with peace. I wanna live with a future. Save me, God. He literally was asking him to save his life. Maybe you need that same grace and saving power tonight. Don't let your ego get in the way of choosing the greatest treasure and the thing you need most. Don't let pride get in the way. You can't fix it on your own. People have tried for millenniums. You need him. Choose him. So Jesus, that is my prayer tonight. As we begin to worship and sing, as people have their hands raised, Lord, we surrender our lives to you. If that's you, surrender your life to him. Make a decision tonight. Say, Jesus, you can even repeat after me or say it in your, in your heart. You can just say it with a sincere heart. Jesus, I choose you. Lord, I want to know you more. God, I pray that you would pull me closer to who you are and away from the things that distance me from you. I choose you. Lift your hands. Let's begin to sing. Go ahead, team.